Well, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so grateful that you guys are here. Whether you're joining us in person or you're watching us online, we're grateful to have you. Our hope and prayer is that this will become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. And ladies, this is your day, and we want you to know if you need help in building community, discovering your purpose, and growing in your faith, uh, our women's ministry has a table out there with some succulents. Some of, them, some of them are alive, so if you don't have a green thumb, don't take those. Some of them are fake. Those are for you. Um, uh, if, uh, if you do have a green thumb, take the live ones as well, and, and then just talk to some of our, our women's ministry leaders and about the groups and the events and all the activities we have going on that will help you in, uh, in truly living out that mission that we have as a church. Uh, we call Ladies' Day, uh, Ladies' Day. Uh, instead of Mother's Day, we, we celebrate all the moms, but we also understand that Mother's Day is one of the most polarizing days of the year, uh, that for some it's a day of celebration. It's a day of great joy and, and triumph and thanking God for the blessings in your life. And um, so it's a day of celebration. And for others, it's a day of mourning. A day where you remember back to uh, maybe the struggles of, of infertility or losing a child or maybe losing a mother. And so we know that not everybody's on the same page today. And we just want every woman to know that we celebrate you uh, from the oldest to the youngest, and so we have bun cakes, and, and online, we'll tell you a little bit later what we have for you guys as well, but we just want every woman to know that you are celebrated, uh, no matter what journey you've walked. To those who are experiencing new life, uh, expecting new life, or have close relationships with the kids, we celebrate with you. To those who have walked through the pain of losing a child or a mother this year, or through failed adoptions or broken relationships with your kids, we grieve with you. To those who are in the trenches of parenting, step-parenting, foster parenting, spiritual parenting, we're better because of you. And to those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and rejoice and are a bit jealous of you, to be honest. There's some uh, mothering is not for the faint of heart, and, uh, and we have some real heroes in our midst. And so we celebrate every woman here today. In fact, men, do me a favor. Let's give it up for the ladies in our lives and in this room. Come on, like the Broncos won something. Like, come on. Ladies, we are so grateful, so grateful for you. Today, we're going to uh, finish up our series called Dynamic Duos, and we're looking at two ladies. What we've been doing this whole series is looking at two individuals and the relationship that they have and how their relationship impacts maybe our relationships today. The first week, we looked at this idea of forgiveness and how do we forgive people. Uh, last week, we looked at friendships and how do you build a godly friendship. And today, we're going to look at two ladies that I believe their story is one of the most powerful stories in Scripture. And here's the deal, guys, don't check out on this one. Okay, because I promise you, their story is one of the most relatable stories for us as human beings. Uh, we're going to, uh, I'll, I'll kind of direct you and, and, and kind of set up the story for you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ruth chapter 1. Ruth's in the Old Testament, uh, kind of near the beginning of the Old Testament. If you don't have your Bibles or it's too hard to search for, no worries, it's going to be on the screen. If you need a Bible, go to our Connections tent, the blue tent outside, and we'd love to get you one, or you can download the Bible app. Let me set it up for you. Ruth starts off. Uh, introducing this woman named Naomi. Naomi is married. She's living in Israel, but Israel is in a time of famine. So her and her husband and her two boys decide to move to another area. They decide to move to Moab. Um, while they're there, her husband passes away, and her two boys marry Mo Moabite women. Now, this was a big no-no. 
You cannot marry a woman that's outside of the Israelite tribe. This would be like a, a Texan marrying a Californian. You know, like, don't do that. Or like my daughter marrying a Florida Gator. Like, you better not do that. You know, they, but they do anyways. And after 10 years, the, the, her, her son, Naomi's sons, die. So now she's left with her two daughters-in-law. Well, they're free to go back home. They're free to marry somebody else again. And, um, and so one of them does, and the other one says, no, I'm going to stay with you, a uh, lady by the name of Ruth. And Naomi says, don't stay with me. You don't want to be with me. I'm a widow now. I have nothing to offer you. Your life is going to be you know, destitute, a life of, you know, so don't. And uh, here's what, I love what Ruth says. She says this, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. That's a pretty profound statement. In fact, it's one of the reasons that when pastors preach on the book of Ruth, they almost always focus on Ruth, and for good reason. I mean, she's a, she's a faithful woman. She's got great integrity, great commitments. She's in the lineage of Jesus. The book is written, it's titled after her. So of course you gotta talk about Ruth. I mean, to talk about the book of Ruth and not to talk about Ruth would be like to talk about college football and not talk about the reigning national champs, the Georgia Bulldogs. Or it'd be like talking about like the, the king of burger joints, which if, if I would ask you that, what would you say? What's the best burger joint? Okay, no, Burger King. Burger King. Whopper Jr. with cheese. Mm. There's not a better, I know I lost so much respect from so many of you. <laughs> My taste buds are that of an eight-year-old. So, um, yeah, no, so to not talk about Ruth would be like, well, that's kind of strange, but we're not talking about Ruth. What we're going to do is we're going to focus on a woman there that the book starts with and ends with. And I believe her story um, is much more relatable to you and I. And we're going to talk about this woman named Naomi. Now, Naomi, she clearly was an impressive person. I mean, she cared for her family, she cared for her husband, for her sons. She lived out her faith in such a way that uh, when her daughter-in-law could leave, she said, no, I'm going to go wherever you go. I'm going to follow you, and not only that, I'm going to worship your God. That's a powerful, powerful statement from somebody. So, so she's clearly an impressive person, but her life is not all filled with joy and happiness and celebration. That's where we pick up Ruth chapter 1, verse 19. Here's what it says. So the two women, now Naomi is taking Ruth back to her homeland. The two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Now they've been gone 10 years. They walk back into town and the women are like, is that Naomi? Right, like imagine having that type of an impact in somebody's life. Imagine people knowing you and caring so much about you and respecting you so much. And when you come back into town, they're like, are you really here? Is that really you? Are you really back? You would think it would be a time of celebration, but it quickly turns. Verse 20, don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi. The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Wow. Can you feel the pain? She says, don't call me Naomi. You see, the word Naomi means pleasant. She says, instead, call me Mara. Mara means bitter. Start calling me bitter because that's my life. God took me away full and he brought me back empty. He has made my life bitter. He has created tragedy in my life. 
He is the one that has done all of this to me. I mean, Naomi's done everything right. I mean, she married a, a godly man. She raised godly boys. She, she did everything right, so much so that her daughter-in-law is like, wherever you go, man, I'm going to go with you. I'll follow you. I'll worship your God. Like, she clearly has done everything right, and yet. And yet, God, this is my life. This is what you do to me. I wonder if some of us are there right now. I wonder if some of us are in a place where, or maybe at some point we've been in a place where we feel like, man, I've done everything right. I mean, I've done everything right. I've been a good person. I've treated people kindly. I've had faith in God. I've gone to church. I've served. I've done everything I thought I was supposed to do. And yet, this is my life. This is the pain that you inflict upon me, God. My life is bitter. And when you're in that place, when you're in a place of pain, when you're in a place where you feel like, man, everything's against you, or maybe God has left you, you feel alone or whatever, what do you do? What do you do in that moment? Well, the world teaches you to do three things. The world tells you, number one, put on a mask. Put on a mask. I act like everything's okay. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm fine. Or I'll be okay. Or I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Or maybe you go the far extreme and everything is bad when, and you don't actually deal with what truly is bad. You just put on a mask. We all know people in our lives who put on masks. Like all of us know somebody who just, who won't tell you how they're actually doing. You're like, are you sure? Like, yeah, I'm fine. Like, ah, clearly you're not. We put on a mask. The world also teaches us to isolate. Tells us, man, just go, just go be by yourself. Just go be alone. This is my temptation. My temptation is to isolate. Like if, if everything seems against me, if I'm walking through some painful experiences, my temptation is just, man, I just want to go in my room. I just want to watch sports, watch Netflix, leave me alone. Don't text me. Don't call me. Just leave me alone. I'll be by myself, and I'll get over this eventually. So maybe you put on a mask. The world teaches you to isolate. The other thing the world teaches you to do is just, just focus on yourself. Focus on your happiness. I mean, if everybody else is a little crazy, then I'll just focus on me. If everybody else is creating issues and, 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 and chaos in my life, then I'll just focus on my happiness, on my well-being, on what I need to do, and I won't worry about everybody else. And at first glance, that seems like the right thing to do. I mean, it seems like the right thing to do is just focus on you, and yet maybe that's not exactly the way toward healing. You see, the world tells you to put on a mask, to isolate. It tells you to just focus on you, and I would ask the question, how's that working out for us? I mean, how's that working out for our society? How's that working out for you and I individually? You see, when we put on masks and we isolate and, and we only focus on ourselves, that we think that it will relieve the problem, but it just creates more problems and more pain, more brokenness in our lives. It's never the way forward. It's never the way toward healing. It's never the way toward receiving the hope that God has for us. That's not what Naomi did. And in fact, we see in Naomi's story, at the end of the book of Ruth, we see her in a place of joy. We see her in a place of purpose, like things have been restored to her somehow. So how did she get there? I mean, it's just one flip of the page. How, what happened in that one flip of the page that she got to a place of healing in her life? What did she do? Well, she did three things, and they're contrary to what the world tells us to do. Number one, she was real. She was real. I love this verse, verse 20. We already read it, but it says this, don't call me Naomi. 
Don't call me pleasant. Call me Mara. Call me bitter. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. Imagine saying that to somebody. Imagine like you come into church and I'm over by the, by the cafe and, and I'm getting my water and some snacks and you walk in and you're like, hey, Pastor Ernest, how you doing? I'm like, life is terrible. Don't call me Pastor Ernest. Call me bitter. Call me miserable. You'd be like, okay, I just wanted coffee. You know, like, like, not, like none of us would do that. That seems so strange. It seems so out of the way. We're taught to be cordial, to act like everything's okay, to not bother people with your problems, not put your problems on someone else. They got enough problems of their own. So we're taught just to, just to isolate ourselves, just to wear a mask. Don't be real. But if you're not real, you don't get the healing. If you can't actually be real about what you're walking through and what you're dealing with, then you'll never find healing in your life. It makes me think of a, 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 a story in my life about three, three or four years ago. I was dealing with some sicknesses, and, um, and it was in my stomach, and I didn't know what was going on. Uh, and I was dealing with it for months, but eventually got to a place where it, just, uh, it was just too much. And so I'm super bright. Um, uh, and so I thought, well, I'm just going to stop eating. Uh, so on a Wednesday, I was like, I'm going to stop eating, and until the pain goes away, I won't eat again. So I woke up uh, Saturday, still hadn't eaten, and my wife looked at me, and she said, you're yellow. I was like, don't call me chicken. She's like, she's like no, like you're like literally yellow. Like your body is yellow. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Is that bad? And she's a nurse. She's like, uh, yeah. Like you need to go to the hospital now. This literally was our conversation. Okay, babe, I will, but Georgia plays at one, so I'll go after the game. Uh, so Georgia got into the fourth quarter. They were getting destroyed, uh, and so I went to the hospital, and my kidneys were shutting down. I was having some major issues. They put me into surgery, and I was able to finally get healed, but it wasn't until I would, was willing to recognize I had an issue that there was actually a problem. Some of us right now, we're walking around life emotionally, mentally, spiritually, relationally with issues going on that we're not willing to address. We're not willing to say, hey, I might need a little help. And maybe I could use a, a, a doctor in my life. Maybe I could use a friend in my life. You have to be real. My prayer is that you would discover that this place is a place where you can be real. That you can be who you are and what you're dealing with, what you're going through, there's not going to be judgment on that. It's going to be acceptance and hopefully caring and ultimately healing. So what did Naomi do? She, she was real. The second thing she did, she went back. She went back. When Naomi found herself alone, she found herself in a place of pain. She didn't go to the next town. She didn't move on to the next adventure. What did she do? She went back. Went back to what? She went back to community. She went back to the place where she knew people cared about her. She went back to people who knew her, who knew her story, who knew who, that she had walked through some painful things over the years, and yet they were willing to, to be with her and to accept her. The people that she was willing to say, hey, don't call me Naomi anymore because my life is bitter and God has done this to me. And they didn't say, oh, I can't believe you would act that way. You don't have faith or whatever. They said, we'll accept you. We'll receive you. She went back to her community. She also went back to her faith. Even in her willingness to be real with God and say, man, this is what I'm walking through and this is what I'm dealing with, she still went back to her faith. Why? Because she remembered the stories. 
She remembered that, that you know, God had done these miraculous things, that God was faithful, that God was good, that God had done some great things to the Israelite people, that God had done some incredible things to her own people. So she was able to go back and go, man, if God was faithful then, maybe he'll be faithful now. You know, one of the saddest things that I see as a pastor is when people are walking through some, some painful moments in their lives, they begin to, to pull away to isolate themselves. They pull away from community. They pull away from church. Ultimately, they pull away from God. They think, well, God did this to me, or, you know, I can't be real and still be accepted or whatever. So they start to walk away from the very people that will receive them and the very God who loves them no matter what. And when you do that, you begin to isolate yourself. And when you isolate yourself, man, that's the place Satan wants you to be. Because then he can tell you more lies. He can get you to believe things and do things that you wouldn't do when you're healthy. You wouldn't do when you're in community. You wouldn't believe when you're in community. So don't pull away. You see, Naomi's, Naomi had stories that she could remember about what God had done. We have those same stories. I mean, we can look in God's word and be reminded of his faithfulness, be reminded of his power. But when you even forget that, when you forget what God has done in history, when you forget what God has done in your own life, the place that you can look when everything seems so dark that you can't even remember the faithfulness of God, look at the cross. Because the cross is the greatest, the greatest reminder of what Christ has done for us, of God's faithfulness to you and I, that yet while we were still sinners, that while we're far from God, God loved you and I so much that he sent his only son to the cross to die for our sins, to pay the penalty that we deserve to pay. He died on the cross for us. So if things in your life look so dark and you're like, man, I can't even, I can't even remember the last time God was faithful to me. I can't even remember the last time I saw the goodness of God in my life. Remember the cross. Because it's the cross that reminds us of God's faithfulness, of God's goodness of God's great love for you. Return back. So what did Naomi do? She was real. She, re, she went back. And lastly, she invested in others. She invested in others. Uh, here's a passage, just a short passage, but it's one that I've read, I don't know how many times, but I think I've kind of missed the significance of it until studying for this. Uh, it's, uh, it's Ruth chapter three, verse one. It says, one day Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, my daughter, I must find a home for you where you'll be well provided for. That seems like an easy one just to kind of overlook, but what she's saying, she's saying, I still need to invest in. Like, it's still my job. I still have a purpose to care about other people. I can't be so focused on me and my issues and my struggles that I forget about God placing other people in my life that I can care for them and their needs as well. That I can get the attention off of me. She could have easily, Naomi could have easily said, I've done this before. I've raised kids. I've walked this path. I'm good. But she didn't. She said, okay, what are the needs of the people around me? How can I care for them? How can I serve them? It doesn't mean that you don't acknowledge your own pain, and that you don't acknowledge your own needs, and you don't take care of those things, but it does mean that you do go, okay, are there times and are there people right now that their needs need to be elevated over me, and I need to help them, I need to serve them, because this is part of purpose. This is a part of why God created me, is to impact and influence people in my life. So when Naomi, she's, she's real, she goes back, and she invests in. And at the end of the story, you see Naomi healthy, joyful, and things are restored for her. 
because she was willing to be real. She was willing to go back to community, to engage back into the church, engage back into her faith, and she was willing to invest in. I thought we'd uh, uh, show a video of um, uh, some friends of ours. We asked them some questions this week just to walk through their journey. And um, uh, we, if you've been around Front Range a long time, you've probably met them before. If, uh, if you haven't, a few weeks ago, I actually interviewed them and we prayed for their adoption uh, to go through. And their adoption did go through, which is awesome. But I think sometimes when we see, yeah, thank you for that. Um, I think sometimes when, when we see stories like that, we like only focus on the end like the redemption, the, the beautiful part of it, and we, we forget that, that everybody walks through something, that everybody has to walk through some, some mud and some pain and some hardship and, and all of that. And so I just ask them to share their story uh, and their journey of faith with us. So take a look at this. My name is Steve, and this is my wife, Emily. We've been a part of Front Range uh, since the beginning. We moved to Colorado nine years ago. We've been married for almost 14 years, which is crazy. And we have uh, currently three girls in our house. Atlee is five, Revy is three, and then we have a foster daughter who is almost two. After Emily and I got married, we had a different perspective on when was going to be the right time to have kids. <laughs> I guess we were married almost seven years, I think, before we started trying. And we tried um, for about a year and nothing. So then decided to go down the route of going to an infertility doctor just to see if there was something going on. Basically, they just came up with, we don't have any explanation. There's no reason why. But they did suggest that we could try a procedure. So we did that procedure and got pregnant with twins and um, miscarried them at eight weeks. That was the hardest thing we'd experienced, I think, in life up until that point. Um, trying to understand, you know, asking all the why questions. We weren't only, only grieving the loss of, um, of, you know, the children that we miscarried or being able to have more kids, but we were grieving the loss of, of dreams that we had, a, a plan that we had for the way we thought life was going to go. And there was a lot of um, just being realistic about, um, you know, this hurts and that's okay and this isn't what we hoped for. And, um, and just sitting in that hurt for a while and having friends that were good enough to just come and, you know, not everything was going to be okay, but not saying it right away and just sitting with us in our grief and letting us hurt and letting us cry and letting us complain and being real about it. When we shared it with our community group, what we were going through, that was, um, you know, an important step in our grief, an important part of our healing. You know, you kind of get to a place with grief where you just have to accept that this is the way life is. You know, there's nothing else that we can do about it. We've done everything that we can. We've prayed about it. We've had other people praying for us. We've, you know, just done all the things that we can and, and it's not happening. And so clearly this is just a door that God's shutting. And, but then we were kind of able to move on pretty quickly and try another procedure right after we um, got over and, and moved through the miscarriage. And then we got pregnant with Atlee. Adoption has been a part of Emily and I's conversation since before we even got married. I don't know that we realized how it was going to play out at the time. <laughs> um, you know, so we had, you know, dreams and plans about what it might look like. And so the more we, we looked into it, the more we said, you know, even if we only help one, it's worth doing. I think we just really felt like deep in our souls that this was like a, something we were called to, mm -hmm. like something we needed to do. Yeah, I think we knew from the beginning that that revelry is going to be ours because of the way that she came into our care. And it was a long three years, <laughs> um, but we, uh, you know, kept our faith in God and cried a lot and prayed a lot and prayed a lot yeah. over her. I think we just, you know, felt all the feels <laughs> those in during those three years and through the appeal process after we thought, you know, the adoption was going to go through more quickly and um, 
just took a really long time in, in court and um, so made, made the day that we adopted her a whole lot sweeter. I think our journey in foster care and to adoption with Revy has shown me just how God redeems. He just redeems brokenness, right? Like we had this brokenness in our life because of infertility and miscarriage and wanting a bigger family and um, just not knowing how that was gonna pan out and wanting to adopt and, and feeling like we even waited a really long time in the foster care system to be placed with children to come into our home. And, you know, she has a lot of loss too. She, she lost the ability to grow up with her biological family and yet God steps in and he redeems. You know, he brings a beautiful story and weaves a beautiful story together. And, you know, I put her to bed at night and, um, you know, I love you, Rev, good night. And I love you too, mommy. You know, and just like the fact that in her world, in her mind, I am 1000% her mom. And when she says that to me, it's like, Adopted or not, it doesn't matter, you know? I'm just, I'm her mom, and she's my daughter, and that's, that's it. So where do you find yourself today? I think there's like two different perspectives we can have when we walk through hardship and pain and tragedy in our lives. You can have the mindset that Naomi had at the very beginning where she said, all of these things have happened and, and, and I've done everything right. I mean, I was a good person and this and this, and yet, God, you did this to me. Or we can say, okay, this is what's happened in my life. This is the trial and the pain and the hardship, and yet God is faithful and he is good and he is loving and he will restore, he will redeem. That's the beautiful thing about our God is that he promises to restore things. I mean, that's what the cross reminds us is that God came to restore, God came to redeem that which was broken and lost, that God can do that and God will do that. How he does it may not be in our way, when he does it may not be in our timing, but he will. We can trust in that truth. So where are you today? Maybe for some of us, we are in a place where we just need to be real. Maybe we've been walking through some things and we haven't told a whole lot of people in our lives, but there's some people in our lives that may love us and will pray for us and will care for us in the moment that we're in right now. And we just, we, everything's okay, everything's fine. Or maybe you're on the opposite side where everything is bad all the time. And either way, you're not dealing with the actual issues. You're not being real with where you currently are, the situations you're walking through. Maybe for some of us, that's where we are today. And God's saying, find those people, be real with them. Be real with them, trust them with your story. Maybe for some of us, it's that returning back. Maybe that's the step that we're to take today. Maybe it's returning back to community. Turning back to those who love us, those who care for us. Maybe for some of us, it's returning back to church. And we're like, we haven't been to church in a long time or, or we haven't been to church in, in months or years or, or whatever the case may be. And God's going, return back. Maybe it's return back in your faith. Maybe the step today is not thinking that, man, you're going to have all the, the questions answered and no more doubts in your faith or anything like that. But it's simply saying, okay, God's drawing me to come home. He's calling me into his presence, and today I'm going to trust in him. Today I'm going to kind of renew my faith in God. 
And if that's where you are, you know. You know you came into this place just feeling far from God. I gave an opportunity last service, like, hey, man, if you feel far from God and you want to return back, want to restore your faith in him and trust in him again, just raise your hand. I'm going to give you a chance here in a minute to do the same thing. But, man, so many hands went up. So maybe that's where you are right now. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe for some of us it's going, okay, I need to invest in somebody. I've, I've been long enough focused on me. I need to give. And maybe it's not in a big way like through adoption and foster. Maybe it is. Maybe it's simply by just serving. Serving one other person around you that's in need. It's not attached to your job. It's not attached to you getting paid. It's just you simply going, how can I serve somebody else? How can I care for the needs of somebody else? What's your step today? My prayer is that all of us, whether we're walking through pain right now or, or, or we just got out of it, or maybe at some point we'll walk through some challenging situation again, that we would have the mindset that God, and maybe I've gone through all these things or I'm walking through all these things, and yet he is faithful. He is good. And I will trust that he will restore and redeem this. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, and I thank you so much, God, for your word. I thank you for Ruth and Naomi's story. God, I thank you for the faithfulness of Ruth and her willingness to sacrifice everything to follow her mother-in-law. But, man, for Naomi, I thank you for her example. And, God, just how we, our story can be seen in her story. God, our pain can be seen in her pain. But, God, our also, I firmly believe that our restoration and our redemption can be seen in her restoration, her redemption. So, Father, for some of us, we need to be real today, and I pray that, God, we'd be willing to have those conversations. Maybe it's later today around the table, or maybe it's calling up a friend or a loved one or somebody in our community group, and, hey, I just need to share what's going on in my life. No one else really knows this. We just have somebody in our life that we're willing to say, hey, here's what I'm dealing with. Will you pray for me? Will you hold me accountable? Will you, whatever, whatever the need is. We're able to just to start that healing process. For some of us, it's returning back. For some of us, it's making a commitment today to go, okay, i got to make community a, a greater priority. I've got to make church a greater priority. For some of us, it's returning back to our faith. For some of us, that's where we know we are right now. That we came into this place feeling far from God, feeling distant from him. And he's saying, come home today. You're not going to have all your questions answered. You might still wrestle with some doubts. It doesn't mean that all your pain's going to go away, but it means that you recognize that, man, God, God's bigger. God's greater. And God has never left you. Today, you just want to come home. You want to renew your faith in him. If that's you with every head bowed and eyes closed, you say, today, man, I want to renew my faith in God. I want to come home today. I want to receive the offer that he's giving me. I just want you to raise a hand. I want to know who I'm praying for. Father, thank you for each one of these individuals. Thank you, God, that you know their story. You know their name. I thank you that you care deeply for them. You love them and you are drawing them to yourself. That, God, whatever they've been walking through, whatever they've been dealing with, God, you've never left them. Even if it feels that way at times, God. Even if it feels like you're, you're so silent or you're so distant, God. You were right there in the midst of it. 
Father, as we turn our hearts back to you, Father, renew us. Give us hope, God. Give us exactly what we need in this moment. And then for all of us, God, tell us what our next steps are to invest in others. Where life isn't all about us, God, and what we're dealing with, but God, we can look out and go, man, how can I serve somebody else? Maybe it's as simple as a handshake at church and, and being a greeter of some sort, or maybe it's going through the process of adoption and foster, whatever, or anything else in between, but God, tell us what our next step is to invest in somebody else. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the story of Naomi. We thank you that her life and her story was redeemed, and that ours will as well. In Jesus' name, amen.